Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 5. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, know that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis, and the New Testament starts with Matthew. And so Matthew 5, first book of the New Testament. Matthew actually was the guy that wrote this book. What are the odds, right? And so anyway, he was a Jesus follower. Not only was he a Jesus follower, he was an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus. So these weren't secondhand accounts that he was writing about. These were things that he himself personally witnessed and experienced and saw. This is, besides this being inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's eyewitness historical documentation. Matter of fact, there's a book called um, the I, Jesus and the Four Eyewitnesses, which is really great. It talks about the Gospels, you know, how we know who the authors are and that type of thing. It's really good stuff to read if you, if you like apologetics and that kind of thing. And so he wrote this and he is writing, you know, he's recording the, the Sermon on the Mount, which begins with the Beatitudes. We did a series on this several months ago. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, it says this. It said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Now, again, bless those who are poor. In other words, spiritually poor, spiritually destitute. When we recognize how destitute our life is without Jesus, then there's a blessing or a happiness that comes with that. And so then he goes on to say, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, I think there's kind of a dual meaning for this. Certainly it does talk about that if you're in a place of mourning or loss, that, that the spirit of God will still comfort us. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. That's what he does. He comforts us. But also that whenever we mourn, that there's also this mourning, this recognition of, you know, of how, how lost we can be without Jesus, how broken we are without him. And so when we recognize that when we awaken to that, there's a comfort that comes with that because we're introduced to the comforter. And then he says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. Man, there's something powerful about humility. It's, uh, it's one of those subjects that I'm going to talk more about just because it's, it's so key to our relationship with God, to our relationship with each other. I mean, it's, it's one of the key stones to relationship. And so, but there's a blessing when, when you're humble, when you operate in humility. And then it says this, God blesses those who hunger. Everybody say hunger. Who hunger and thirst for justice. The, the King James says righteousness. And it says this. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. For they will be satisfied. So, you know, where does a move of God begin in our heart? It begins with hunger. With hungering. He, he said this. That God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. We were all created on the inside of us. You and I all, there's just this, this hunger on the inside of us. And we search and we look and we try to feel this need, this craving that's in us. And we try all sorts of things, you know. Sometimes we may try it with relationships. Sometimes we could try it with success. Sometimes people try to fill that with money. Sometimes people try to fill it with substance or with issues and they're just popularity, just so many things. And it's, it's not by accident that we're doing these things because we were created. There's this craving that's in us. And, and he said this, that, you know, that when we hunger for uh, justice or righteousness, that that's when we're satisfied. One of the reasons why we get in excess in so many things is because those are things that, that they're a counterfeit for something that fills us. And so, we do those things to excess, hoping that, you know, that they, that it, it's almost there. It, it kind of feels like it, but it still falls short. And so we do those things in excess, hoping to feel that need. 
You know, in the beginning of creation with, with humanity, that even in the Garden of Eden, that one of the things that the devil wanted to convince Adam and Eve of is that the place that they were looking for to be satisfied, that there was a better alternative. That there was a better choice. You know, my own life sometimes, even though I, I've walked with Jesus for a long time, I, I went through seasons where, where he's convinced me and persuaded me. And I, I didn't realize at the time that I was, I was, I was looking for another place to satisfy that, that hunger that was in me. Because there's only one place you can find it. But, but I was looking for someplace else for that to be there. And he's still to this day that he'll try to persuade us, no, 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 what you're looking for is here. No, no, what you're looking for is there. And, and for a move of God to take place, it begins with this hunger in me, this recognition that it's there already. But the question is, is that what have I determined that I'm going to hunger for? Now, that seems weird, right? I mean, I said, yes. What have I determined that I'm going to hunger for? Well, Pastor Rick, I really don't have any control of my appetites. That's just not true. We get to determine what we're going to hunger for. And then based upon that, then we determine what's going to satisfy that. And yet, nothing else satisfies. Nothing else satisfies. I remember years ago when I was living in New Mexico, I had a friend of mine. He'd come pick me up every day, and he was a big guy, and so I hated disappointing him. Even though he wanted to work out early in the morning, he would come to the door, and he'd had this, you know, he was kind of scary when he looked disappointed. So I'm like, yes, yes, I'll work out with you today. And so we would go, and we, <laughs> we would work out. And, you know, after a couple of years, I was working out regularly at the gym, but I still didn't like the results I was getting. And I came across this thing. It was kind of a, a workout plan, nutrition thing, and I read it. And I said, try this for 12 weeks. And I thought, I can do anything for 12 weeks. And it was really going to change the way that I was eating and, and that type of thing. And so, man, at first, I, um, when I first started, it was just so unique and unusual. It was different to me than what I was doing that, you know, the first week or two, I was having to be very intentional about it. Very deliberate about it. But after a couple of weeks, it was no longer my uncommon. It was no longer my different. It became my normal. And then all of a sudden, it was just instinctive. It was just what I did. In other words, I determined in my life, and I'm just talking about in the natural now, that this was what, how I was going to live, and this is what I was going what I, what I to nourish myself with and what I was going to do. Now, and so that went on for several years. We moved to Oklahoma. Resistance is futile, and I assimilated. So anyway, but, um, um, but you know, the... the but we can, we, we get to determine that. I wrote some three thoughts down here on the first point. Number one is, is that we all hunger. We all do. Not, nobody's exempt from it. We all hunger. I don't care who you are. The second thing is we can determine what we hunger for. We get to determine that. We can, we can choose. Uh, when I was going through depression, on my worst day, there were, I couldn't control sometimes the thoughts that were there. I couldn't control how overwhelming that felt. But I always kept this in mind. I can still control my behavior. I, I can still decide, I'm going to go to church today. I'm going to read my Bible today. I'm going to pray today. Now, my, my mind, my emotions were just so overwhelmed with just depression. But I held on to that, that I can determine to do these things. So we can determine that. We, we can determine what we hunger for. And then here's the third thing. Not everything satisfies us. That's why, why there's excess. Jesus said this, who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. When you begin to hunger for the right things, 
No longer people's approval. No longer just more stuff. No longer, you know, getting even. No longer, you know, getting away from where you are. But when you begin to hunger for the right things, then you're satisfied. So number one is this. If you're taking notes, see a move of God in our life, we have to know this. What we hunger for matters. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. It's towards the end of the Bible. And like the best way to say, if you go all the way to the end, it's Revelation. Before that is Jude. Before that is 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. And before that is 2 Peter and 1 Peter. So Peter, again, he was a disciple. He wrote this letter to Christians. He was a follower of Jesus. He was an eyewitness. He was one of the 12 that followed Jesus during his ministry. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he said this. He, he says a very um, first four words say this. So get rid of. Everybody say get rid of. So these are things we're supposed to get rid of our lives. Number one, get rid of all evil behavior. In other words, we're supposed to make a decision that evil behavior should not be a part of our world. Then he said this, be done with all deceit. Be done with all deceit. Not, not just what we would call just lying, but anything that's deceptive in our life, be done with it. And then he said this, be done with hypocrisy. We as Christians, you know, you know, some people say there's a lot of hypocrites in the church. That's not been my experience. There's a lot of broken people in the church, including me. And that doesn't make us hypocrites. You hypocrites is when you, when you judge somebody for the very thing that you do. That's hypocrisy. And so, and so that shouldn't be us. But if anybody struggles with that, we're called to get rid of it. Get rid of hypocrisy. Then it goes on to say jealousy and all unkind speech. So get rid of unkind speech. Talk nice to each other. Talk nice to your spouse. Look at your spouse and say he's talking to you. Anyway, so all unkind speech. And he said this, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that, so he said we've got to crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So, he said, like newborn babies, we must crave spiritual milk. Now, how many of you know, if you've, if, you've got, if you've ever been around babies and you know when they get hungry, they begin to let you know that. How many of you have ever experienced that in your life? And then have you ever been in a place that for whatever reason you weren't in a place in that moment where you could nourish them and you try substitutes for that? Has anybody ever been in that place where like, I remember, you know, years ago when I was single and a friend of mine, two friends of mine, they'd gotten married. And so they'd been married for a couple of years and they had a baby. And so, and um, she was, uh, she was, uh, you know, they would, she would nurse the baby. And so one, you know, one night, you know, we, you know, she said, I just need to get out for a couple hours. And so I said to my buddy, I'm like, tell her to go on, man, we've got this. She wanted to go play Bunko. That's, you know, the ladies club game. And so, I, um, so I, uh, so I said, you tell her we got this, we got this, you can go play Bunko. And me and your husband, we'll watch this little girl. And so we were doing pretty good. And after a while, she started kind of getting a little fussy. And then, then she got louder and louder and louder. And, and we thought, and I said, I, you know, I think she's hungry. And he's like, oh, no, I don't, this, you know, she just, it, it was just a little while ago she got fed. And I'm like, okay, well, well, maybe she's tired. And so we laid her down for a little while. And she, she didn't quit crying. And so being a guy, and, you know, we're kind of short on ideas when it comes to things like this. And so I said, well, um, Maybe there's just too much noise. What if we shut the door and just, I'm not watching your kid. Okay. So, I mean, so, you know, so, so, you know, we, we, we shut the door and then every now and then we'd kind of open it up. Like, you know, it was like, I think everything's got like, ah, you know, you kind of, and so, um, 
finally, you know, finally I'm like, you know, I, she, she's hungry. We're, we're not qualified to fix this. And so, so we called, we called his, his wife up and she came home and uh, we had forgotten that actually she had prepared, you know, some excess things for us to feed the baby. Hey, two things happened. One is I, I was never asked to babysit their kid again. But, but second of all, I was given this, this illustration that, you know, just like this, this baby was not going to be satisfied with anything else. And, and that it, it, you know, when eventually got to the place of dissatisfaction, it cried out. And, you know, we as believers, we, we have to have that kind of hunger for the word of God, that kind of recognition. You know, we get this, that physically, that if we don't nourish ourselves regularly, that at some point it impacts our health. That we can't, that we can't you know, sustain life if we go long periods of time without proper nourishment. As a matter of fact, we won't grow without it. But the same thing is true spiritually. That in order for us to grow spiritually, that we have to nourish ourselves with the milk of God's word. We have to make a decision that, you know, to, to just understand that, again, that we won't be satisfied without it. Now, in the natural, whenever, we never have to, if you're a parent, you never had to tell your kids to grow. Hey, you guys really haven't been growing lately. I really need you to grow. I mean... And, you know, and others may have had kids like mine that it was like the refrigerator was their own life support system. And it's like, you guys are like really growing. And so, but the truth of the matter is that we know that if we provided the proper nourishment, that healthy things grow. And I think sometimes as Christians, we believe, well, I've given my life to Jesus. I've asked Jesus into my heart, uh, you know, that he's Lord of my life. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like we believe that as, as the beginning and the end. That's the, that's the finish and the starting line. But the truth of the matter is that when we ask Jesus into our heart and we make him Lord of our life, that that's the beginning of our relationship with him. But he desires for us to grow spiritually. You know, it, it's a process, right? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. But, but we should be growing, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be further along spiritually? And, and again, it's, it's not through my own effort or self-improvement. But it says, I relate to Jesus, I engage with him as I feed myself the word that not with my own personal effort am I growing. It's, it's the presence of, of him in my life and engaging in that relationship that just naturally brings about growth. That as I go along and I look in my past, that there's things that are kind of just laid at the side that have just kind of fallen off of me as time has went on because I'm nourishing myself in a relationship with him, with his word. And just like that baby can't be satisfied with anything else. And so as a result of that, that I could try all sorts of clever tricks. I could try to distract it with different things. I could convince it that maybe it just needs to get away for a little while. Maybe it needs rest. Maybe it needs its own time and that kind of thing. That all of that is just a distraction from what in reality, that it knows in time what it needs. And that is it needs to be nourished properly. The same thing's true for you and I. That in order for us to, to be moved, to have a move of God in our life personally, that we have to hunger for him. And we have to recognize that he is what we hunger for. And we have to hunger for his word and know that it nourishes us. And as we nourish ourselves with his word, then we grow. Many of you are familiar from Matthew 4, whenever Jesus, it says that he was baptized and then he went into the wilderness. Luke 4 says this, he was, he was led by the Spirit 
into the wilderness. He's full of the Spirit as he's led into the wilderness. And then it says that he returned in the power of the Spirit. But while he was in the wilderness, he went 40 days without eating. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a long time to go without food. Sometimes 40 minutes feels like a long time. And it was 40 days that he went without eating. And so he's there. And in that period of time, when you go, you know, when you fast that length of time, the first few days, you're really hungry. But eventually, hunger subsides. And then at some point, like around the 40-day point, you begin to get hungry again. And that's when starvation has really begun to set in. And so the devil begins to tempt him. He begins to say, hey, look, if you'll, if you'll turn these stones into bread. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He was trying to get Jesus to, to work his relationship as opposed to embracing the relationship he had with the father. And Jesus said this to him. I think it's, first of all, interesting that the devil is trying to convince him that this will satisfy you. This will take care of you. This will validate who you are. And Jesus said this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Even then, he was revealing to us that the only thing that nourishes our spirit, our soul, is the word. And he said the reason why we should crave that, look at this verse here again. He said the reason why we should crave that, he said, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. He said, crave this so that you will grow. If we're taking notes, the second thing here is, is that what we feed ourselves with determines if we grow. I know we have people sitting in there and they're genuine and sincere in the fact that I've asked Jesus into my life. I know that I've, I've given my life to him, but I don't feel like I grow. Well, one of the things I would ask you is, is what are you feeding yourself with? It, it hinders us. Are you saying I don't have a relationship with him? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that it hinders how we grow. What we're using, what we think satisfies us. That are we craving that? That I mean, is our walk healthy? We, you know, we typically eat every day in the natural to stay nourished, to be able to do the things that we do. And yet oftentimes when it comes to feeding ourselves with the word, we, go, we can go just sometimes days, weeks, months without really engaging in scripture and, and wonder why we feel so weak spiritually. We're not nourishing ourselves. So we pray for a move of God to see God move in my life. You know, part of it just begins with this hunger and determining that I'm going to hunger what you hunger for, God. I'm, I want the things that you want. And I'm going to nourish myself with the things that, that you've called me to be nourished with. And so if you're taking notes, number two is this, is that what we feed ourselves with determines if we grow. We need spiritual nourishment. Our desire should be grow. Let's look at this last thing. Go to John chapter 6. John is the fourth book of the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now in this, just a few verses before where I'm starting at, Jesus was talking to them about the bread from heaven. He was talking about different things with them like that. And so he was engaging with uh, these people, which were predominantly Jewish, upon their own history, upon their own spiritual history and what was taking place. Now, as Gentiles, a lot of the Gentiles would not have been familiar necessarily with what he was talking about at that time. He said, what's a Gentile? Anybody that wasn't a Jew. And so he's talking to them about how God supernaturally fed them uh, in, in the wilderness and, and how he used Moses and that type of thing. And so, so Jesus is revealing who he is. And in verse 33, he says this, th listen to this, the true bread of God, the true bread of God. In other words, there's, there's counterfeits. 
There's counterfeits. There's things that present themselves as bread, as nourishment, that we try to satisfy our hunger with, our spiritual hunger. But he said the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So he said, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And of course, their answer was, man, give, it, give this to us. And he, he's basically saying, he said, it's me. I'm, I'm the bread of life. I'm, I'm the one that nourishes the world every day. I, I nourish it every day. And so when we receive him, we understand that Jesus is the bread of life. That he is the only one that can satisfy us. If you're taking notes, it's this. Only Jesus can satisfy our hunger. Well, Pastor Rick, you said that we should hunger for righteousness and for, for justice. Yes. And you said that we should hunger for the word. Yes. He doesn't contain those things. He is those things. He is just. He is right. He is the one that gives us access to the Father. As we say around here, that he didn't come so we could have a religion. He came so we could have a relationship with him and a relationship with the Father. He is that way, that, that right one. And so when he says, I am the bread of life, that really, man, it's by partaking of him and engaging with him and just having a relationship with him that we begin to experience just this feeling in us. Man, if you just, if you feel so dissatisfied. And I get it. You know, we, I think any of us can go through seasons, but man, you know, our dissatisfaction takes all of us to a place that's, if it's not, if we don't go to the right place, it takes us to an empty place. And oftentimes the brokenness in our world is a reflection of where we've went to be satisfied. Sometimes our addictions are a reflection of where we went for satisfaction to be full, to satisfy that craving, instead of going to the only one that can satisfy it, and that's Jesus. Sometimes, man, we go from one relationship to the other, thinking that that will satisfy us. And so we get in one relationship. And at first, man, because of how our hormones are, are, are created to respond, we think everything is good, but eventually it takes us to a place where all of a sudden we get, and eventually it's like, you know what? I, I just, I don't feel about you. I did. In other words, I'm not satisfied. Well, you know what? They were never given to you to bring satisfaction. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. We look to our achievements, we look to our accomplishments, to our hobbies, to our community. I mean, there's so many other places that we search to the point of excess. And then all of a sudden, it's like we fall off the place of the earth because we come to the stark realization that I'm as empty now as I ever was. Well, they were never created to satisfy us. Only Jesus. Jesus said this, that when he's the bread, when he's the nourishment, that we'll never hunger again. So if you're taking notes, number three is this, is only Jesus can satisfy our hunger. When we receive Jesus, the search is over. It's over. And so we understand that and we realize that. And so when we want to see a move of God, one of the things that we have to come to the realization of is that we have to quit looking for whatever it is that we need that only Jesus can provide. 
And it begins there with him. Man, I mean, history is just full of men and women that came to that realization and began to seek him and began to seek his plan and his purpose for their life and began to realize as he began to fill them up that these other things that had been just such a chain around them for all of their life, they realized that those things left them empty and lacking. And they began to seek Jesus and all of a sudden he began to transform their world. And then in time as our world gets transformed, it can't help but transform the world of those around us. We're called to do more than to just make a difference in our world. We're called to make our world different. And so when we have Jesus and we seek him and we search after him and he satisfies that, that it's his presence that carries us with that because people are looking for people that are not going to every other broken well to drink from. That they found the well that produces living water, and that's him. And so number three is this, is that only Jesus can satisfy our hunger. 